Welcome to Slim and Satisfied, a podcast about weight loss for women dealing with hormonal imbalances. I'm Daphna Chazen, registered dietitian and weight loss coach, and I invite you to join me weekly for conversations, practical strategies, and resources that will lead you on the right path to feeling satisfied with your body and your life. And now, let's get to today's episode. Hey there, and welcome back. I'm so excited that you've joined me today for another episode of Slim and Satisfied. I'm your host, Daphna Chazen. For those of you who are new to the podcast, I'm a registered dietitian, and I specialize in helping women with PCOS lose weight, control cravings, and reduce all their symptoms, things like acne and digestive problems, hair loss, hair growth, as well as anxiety and depression. These are all things that can be addressed through the diet. So my information can be found in the show notes below. I'd love to hear from you. And if you've been struggling with PCOS, please reach out to me because I can help you resolve some of those issues by changing your diet, changing your lifestyle, as well as your mindset around food. What we're going to talk about today is a topic that I'm very passionate about because as some of you may know, I am originally from Israel, and Israel sits right on the Mediterranean Sea, and I'm going to talk about Mediterranean-style eating today because that's my favorite type of diet to educate my clients on, to help them implement some of the principles of the Mediterranean diet, and I truly, truly believe that it's the only type of eating, style of eating, if you will, that's highly sustainable as well as highly effective for managing PCOS specifically. So I'm going to be sharing some of the science behind the Mediterranean diet, some of the findings that we see in studies that look at people who eat the Mediterranean diet and live in the lifestyle of the Mediterranean diet, because as you'll find out today, this style of eating is not just about eating olives and drinking red wine. It has a very important component that talks about how we eat and how we behave around food and how we respect food, and I'm going to talk about that as well. So I really, truly believe that it's a healthy way of eating, and science does support that. And again, especially for my clients with PCOS, this approach has proven to be highly effective and even enjoyable. So the women that I start on the Mediterranean diet approach usually truly enjoy their eating. They feel like it's normal and not overly restrictive. And if you've been listening to the podcast for any amount of time, you know that restriction and denial are not something that I promote. So my ultimate goal when I work with clients is to find an approach that would work for them in their life, that would feel normal and natural to them, and that will be doable and sustainable. The reason for this is that with PCOS, we know that lifestyle and food choices are highly, highly important and more powerful than any other type of intervention, and that includes medications. And since PCOS is a lifelong condition, I always recommend that my clients find an approach that they can keep practicing for the rest of their lives. Now, to me, the Mediterranean diet is definitely one of them, and I've seen women adhere to this much more easily than they do keto or a gluten-free, dairy-free approach, which are both very popular PCOS diets. Now, I'm sure some of you have seen good results if you've tried keto or tried going gluten-free or dairy-free, but here's the thing. If what you've been doing 
to feel better and heal your body and lose the weight is not something that you see yourself doing in five or seven or 10 years from now, it's probably not the right approach. Whatever choice that you make as far as the diet you follow and the type of lifestyle that you adopt to feel good in your body, it needs to be a lifelong thing. It needs to be something that you see yourself doing no matter what, no matter how old you are, no matter where you live, what your life situation is. If you plan to have kids or if you plan to travel the world, you need to be able to stick with this plan. Some of these plans are not conducive to that. So I want you to think about it. But what I'm going to share with you today can be perfectly executed no matter what. This is a lifestyle and a type of eating that can be followed for life. And I know because I know people who do it and I know people who've been successful implementing it. And again, if you feel like you want to take bits and pieces of it and implement those things, by all means, go and do that. You don't need to follow something 100% in order to see results and to be successful. So always, always remember that. This is not all or nothing. Okay, so I want to go ahead and talk about what the Mediterranean diet really means and what it really looks like to follow a type of eating that will be considered Mediterranean style. So, of course, this style of eating is nothing new. It's been around for thousands of years, but interest in the Mediterranean diet really started in the 1950s when researchers looked at people living in the Mediterranean region, so in countries like Italy, Spain, Greece, and Israel, and they saw that these people had lower rates of coronary heart disease, and they also saw that they had better glycemic control and less type 2 diabetes. So glycemic control essentially means how well your blood sugar is managed. And as they looked further into the specific behaviors of these populations, they realized that although there are many different versions of this eating style, so there isn't one Mediterranean diet that is set in stone, but what they saw is that people in all of these countries had eating patterns that were focused on the same things. So they were eating a lot of produce. They were eating high-quality meat, but not a whole lot of protein, actually. And they had limited consumption of processed foods. So most of those foods were prepared from scratch to one degree or another. And this is really what started a broader interest in the Mediterranean style of eating. And there are now thousands of research studies that came out of those observations. And they're all pretty much showing that this eating style has incredible benefits, and not only for cardiovascular health, but again, for things like diabetes and reducing weight and longevity, preventing cancer, enhancing brain function. So a whole host of benefits that are seen within the populations that eat the type of diet that people in the Mediterranean diet eat. Generally speaking, this is the only type of diet that keeps showing up in research as a healthy way of eating overall, and also the easiest to stick with, which we already talked about, but it's so very important. This diet was seen to be effective in reducing weight, like I said, and this is a big factor. If someone is losing weight and they're able to stick with the way they're eating, guess what? They're going to keep the weight off, which is the biggest battle that people have when it comes to weight management. We also see areas in Greece and Italy where the Mediterranean eating is, of course, very uh, well practiced. These are some of the areas or two of the areas that are classified as blue zones. 
If you've never heard of Blue Zones, these are the communities around the world where residents live particularly long and healthy lives. So these are people that are approaching 100 years of age, and they're not just surviving, they're thriving. They're living their best life. They're really healthy. They're active. They're cognitively sharp, and they show that longevity is really possible So these are the blue zones, and there are a few in Japan and a couple other areas. So if you look it up, you can go on the website and see. It's really fascinating. But just so you'll know, Greece and Italy are two of the blue zones. There are some regions specifically within those two countries that were classified as blue zones. Now, I may be biased since I did grow up in Israel, and My house in Israel was about 10 minutes from the Mediterranean Sea, so eating this way feels very natural to me. But again, the more I got exposed to different diets and I gained the knowledge, of course, about nutrition through school and my practice, I can totally see why this diet has not fizzled out like some of the other fads that we've seen. And it's backed up by a lot of research That's proving that these results that I see in my practice and that I see with women that I work with are really scalable, right? So it's not just a fluke. It's not just a coincidence. It's really something that works. And there are thousands and thousands of subjects in these studies that prove it. Now, the beauty of this is that, again, you don't have to follow it to a T to see the benefits. So when I work with clients, we always tweak the diet. We always kind of make it fit their unique lifestyle, their unique food preferences, and their life situation. So it's unrealistic to think that there's going to be just one prescription, one plan that's going to work for everybody. You always have to kind of try it on for size, see how it goes, and then make the modifications so that it's optimized, so that it really fits your life, because that's what's going to determine if you're going to be able to stick with it or not. Now, there are two specific reasons that I particularly like the Mediterranean diet for PCOS. The first one is that it's designed to reduce inflammation. And while we don't have a ton of research about the Mediterranean eating style specifically for PCOS, we have some but not a whole lot, we do know that it's going to reduce the risk of other inflammation-related health problems. So we do have a lot of studies and a good body of evidence showing that it reduces inflammation that's related to cancer, heart disease, and brain function. And that's pretty reassuring because PCOS is also a condition of low-grade inflammation, just like these other health problems. So it's very safe to assume that it will improve the state of inflammation that we see in women with PCOS in very similar ways that it does to these other conditions. The other reason I love the Mediterranean diet for PCOS weight loss specifically is that there's not much emphasis on calories, and still studies show that it's more effective for weight loss than any low-fat or low-carb diet despite being higher in calories. Why? That's likely because of the type of food that we're consuming Those are foods that typically would help reduce insulin resistance. And anytime we reduce insulin, we're going to be able to tap into fat stores and we're going to start depleting them because we're going to use fat as an energy source, right? We're going to be burning it for energy, which is what we want. That's the type of weight loss that we want. So this diet doesn't focus on calories. It's actually higher in calories than some of the other diets that are out there. 
and it may be higher in calorie than what someone may expect would be appropriate for their body. But because of the type of food that we're eating, we're able to reduce the inflammation, we're able to reduce the insulin resistance, and that just makes it that much easier for the body to lose the weight, which is a beautiful thing. One finding that we see to support the insulin reduction is that when we look at people who consume the diet and didn't lose a significant amount of weight, so that happens sometimes too. Not every time someone starts on the Mediterranean diet, they're going to lose weight. But when people didn't lose the weight, what they did lose was inches off their weight. And anytime someone's losing inches off of their weight, they're reducing insulin resistance and they're making their body healthier from a metabolic perspective. So even though some of the people, the weight stayed the same in those individuals, their body composition changed. And that is a big sign that insulin resistance has gotten better, right? The body has become more sensitized to insulin. They carried less fat in their midsection and they had tremendous reductions in their risk for heart disease, diabetes, blood pressure problems. So we now know that the body is going to be able to work better from a metabolic perspective, which again is beneficial for women with PCOS because these women are at risk for all of these things, blood pressure, heart disease, diabetes. So the studies really do work in favor of what we're trying to accomplish with PCOS. So these are the two main reasons that I love this type of eating for PCOS. I'm going to share a few more benefits of the Mediterranean diet with you, and then I'm going to share a few easy ways for you to get started if you're interested in trying out this type of eating. Sounds good? As I said before, we don't have a ton of research about PCOS and this type of diet, but the few studies that are available show a few really important benefits, and one of them is related to the increase in omega-3 fatty acids. Due to the high consumption of fish and nuts and seeds in the Mediterranean diet, we have a higher intake of these specific types of fats, and those are beneficial in reducing things like androgens, which are the male hormones, as well as triglycerides and glucose, which is, of course, blood sugar. Now, if you're someone who is not really eating fish or you're not sure if you can increase the amount of fish that you're eating in your diet, you may want to think about a supplement. So I'm going to talk about that in a little bit. The second thing we see is that women who follow this type of diet had higher chances of conception, whether it was natural or assisted reproductive conception. So this is a very important piece of information because many women with PCOS deal with fertility issues. And then the last thing I'm going to mention, which is also related to a very common issue with PCOS, which is acne, is that studies show that this type of eating, the Mediterranean diet, had a significant impact, positive impact, on the activity of something called insulin-like growth factor, as well as estrogen and testosterone, which are all players in the production of acne and the exacerbation of acne lesions on the face as well as back and chest area, and they're also known to contribute to oily skin in general as well as oily hair. So these are all the benefits that I wanted to mention, and again, I tied it back to specific symptoms that you may be experiencing and suffering from as a result of PCOS, again, looking at weight loss, acne, 
things like fertility. These are all things that you want to consider and think about whether or not the diet that you're currently following or thinking about following was truly shown to help with these issues. Okay, so now I would like to offer 10 simple, easy, quick ways that you can get started with Mediterranean eating. And what you may want to do is pick two or three to get started with, try them on for size, see how they work out for you. If they're good, you may want to double down and do a little bit more. If they're not working out, try a couple different ones. So you don't have to be married to your choices here. Just try something, get started with one or two, maybe three, and see how they go. And then you can always tweak and optimize from there. The first one is related to eating fish, which I know is a problem for a lot of people. But what I would recommend is to try and have fish as your source of protein two to three times per week. And what you're aiming for is about six to 12 ounces of fatty fish, ideally. Um, So you can go with something like trout or salmon or even tuna, and it could be fresh or canned. So it's okay to go with canned salmon or tuna. And by the way, believe it or not, canned tuna and salmon are less fishy than fresh fish. So it's a great starting point for a lot of people. You can eat it out if you don't like to cook it, which I know is a problem. A lot of people tell me I don't like to make fish at home because it smells or my spouse doesn't like it. Perfectly understandable. You can eat it out. So you can even buy a prepared pre-seasoned piece of fish at the grocery store and just heat it up at home. Or, you know, you can even eat it at room temperature with some sides. Just make sure that it's not fried. So anytime that you eat fish, we're not talking, of course, about fried fish. And if you're really struggling to get that amount of fish in regularly, you may want to think about a supplement. It's not going to be the same. So you're not going to get the same benefits from a supplement as eating fish as your protein source, as part of your food, as part of your meal but at least you'll get some of the omega-3 fats and that can really be helpful with inflammation. What you're looking for is a supplement that has EPA and DHA. Those are the two types of omega-3 fats that are most potent. What you don't want is things like ALA, which is another type of omega-3 fat, but is not as well absorbed, so it's not as high quality for the body. If you want more information about this, again, this is not going to be any specific advice that I give you because obviously I don't know anything about your health situation, but generally speaking, EPA and DHA is what you're going to want to look for in a supplement and always consult a healthcare professional before you start on it because you want to make sure that this supplement is going to be appropriate for you for your medical condition. Next up is olive oil. We all know that people in the Mediterranean, especially, right, Italian and Greek, eat a lot of olive oil and use it generously. So what studies show is that we see a benefit when people eat about half a cup per day total. So that's about four ounces of olive oil. Olive oil is very anti-inflammatory, and studies show that this specific amount of half a cup per day total can be highly beneficial in reducing insulin resistance, like I mentioned before. I'd like you to use this as an opportunity to eat more vegetables and use olive oil as part of your salad dressing or to saute or roast vegetables with things like garlic and seasoning. So if you incorporate it along with the other components of the Mediterranean diet, you're going to see the best results. So obviously, you don't want to continue eating a diet that's 
lacking in nutrition, highly processed and unhealthy if that's what you're currently having, and then just adding half a cup of olive oil to that, that's not going to give you the benefit that you're looking for. So of course, everything that we're talking about today is in the context of a general healthy diet. Half a cup per per day of olive oil can help really make it closer to a Mediterranean style, assuming that the rest of the components are in place, which we'll talk about. The next one is a big one, and that is adopt a plants first approach. So this is talking about being what I call produce forward, where you're always thinking about adding vegetables wherever and whenever possible. So you're having vegetables with your meal. I can tell you that growing up, I would have a chopped salad every single day as a breakfast. And I would have a sandwich that I took to school that has cucumbers and peppers and vegetables on the side. So my parents and my family was big on adding vegetables whenever possible. And that's because there's such a variety of great tasting produce in these areas because it's sunny most of the year. So things like tomatoes and peppers and eggplants are growing and they taste amazing. So we always incorporated vegetables. I know it's harder to do, especially nowadays where everybody's really busy and rushing out the door. I don't expect you to chop a salad before you leave, but think about opportunities in your day where you can add vegetables. The more you do it, the easier it will become. It will kind of become your habit. And you also want to be thinking about having fruit regularly. So for those of you who have PCOS, which is the majority of my listeners, I want you to think about eating two servings of fruit each day, but they're going to be spaced out. So I don't want you within one meal to have, for example, oatmeal with a banana and then eat apple with peanut butter as a snack in your morning those two fruits are too close together. That's going to impact your blood sugar a little bit. So what you want to be thinking about is spacing out your fruit and eating it maybe in the morning and then in the evening. In the Mediterranean style of eating, fruit is usually consumed as a dessert after dinner. So you want to portion it and you also want to pair it. So you want to make sure that the fruit that you're eating is portioned. So you're eating a cup of cut up fruit as a serving or a medium piece of fruit and that you're also pairing it with either a fat or a source of protein. So for example, if you were to eat a cup of berries, have it with Greek yogurt. That way you're not eating the fruit on its own. Or if you're going to eat an apple, have it with a little bit of peanut butter so that you're pairing it with a fat. That way you're going to prevent your blood sugar from spiking and dipping throughout the day, which is very important in managing appetite and cravings and making sure that your insulin is not spiking too high. The next thing I'm going to talk about, so we already talked about fish, olive oil, produce, fruit. Now we're going to talk about nuts. Nuts are an excellent source of healthy fat. And like I've said here before, we now know that the type of fat that we eat is far more important than the amount of fat. So the Mediterranean diet studies show that when people add somewhere around an ounce and a half of nuts, and specifically the three that I usually recommend are pistachios, walnuts, and almonds. So if you add, and it's about a small handful, so an ounce and a half is about a quarter of a cup, maybe a third of a cup, depending on the size, and that is equivalent to about a handful. A handful of those nuts per day mixed 
or if you like one particular type, it doesn't really matter, but it's not a quarter of a cup or a handful of each. It's just one handful per day is going to help you with reducing triglycerides as well as controlling your blood sugar to a higher degree. So that is a very important benefit. Next up are whole grains. This is a very important component of the Mediterranean diet because this is where people get fiber from. Fiber is super important. And for PCOS specifically, we want to include starches that are complex, which means they're high in fiber. So the two that come to mind for me right now are farro and bulgur wheat. These are two that you may have never heard about, but are very high in fiber, super nutritious, and highly versatile as well. So you can do a bunch of different things with them. So again, the first one is called farro, F-A-R-R-O. And then the second one is bulgur wheat, B-O-L-G-U-R wheat. It's a type of wheat that's been been parboiled. So it's actually very quick cooking as well. If you haven't already done so, you can grab a copy of my PCOS meal plan and you can find that at daphnachazen.com forward slash PCOS plan, you can see a bunch of different examples of some of the recipes that I recommend right in that meal plan. So it's a great way to get started without having to search all the recipes and figure out if those are appropriate for you or not. I've already collected them. You can go to daphnachazen.com forward slash PCOS plan. Okay, we're at the home stretch here. I'm going to go over a few other ways that you could get started with Mediterranean style eating today. The next one is flavor everything with herbs and not salt. This is really important because everything that we eat now is very high in sodium, whether we prepared it or not. That's just the way our food supply works here in the United States. So what I want to encourage you to do is to use salt-free seasoning blends, herbs, and spices to flavor your food without adding as much salt. So you can slowly cut back on the amount of salt that you're eating and use things like dried rosemary and thyme and parsley, Italian seasoning, as well as spices like cumin, turmeric, ginger. These are great spices that are anti-inflammatory. They'll give a ton of flavor to your meals and you can play around with them and find the ratios that are gonna give you the best result and the flavor profile that you're looking for. Next up is alcohol. So as you know, and you may have heard, there is a significant amount of alcohol in the form of red wine specifically that is consumed as part of the Mediterranean diet. When I was in Italy a few years back, I noticed that everyone was drinking wine with lunch and with dinner, and wine was actually cheaper than Diet Coke, believe it or not. So this is something that's super common, especially in countries like Spain, Italy, and Greece, And what I want to say about this is, sure, alcohol, specifically red wine, can have benefits that are mostly tied to the resveratrol in red wine, which is a very strong antioxidant that's known to help with different health problems. So there is research showing that resveratrol is beneficial for health. However, you want to stay within a certain limit of the amount. So for women... I typically don't recommend more than one to two servings every other day to be realistic with it. So if you can stick with four to five servings, and a serving, ladies, is a five-ounce glass, so make sure that when you're pouring your wine into a glass, you know how many ounces are in there, 
And you never want to just add alcohol. Again, this is the same thing as with the olive oil. Don't add your alcohol to a diet that's not already dialed in as far as the food choices. So the food comes first. You want to implement the changes that I've mentioned throughout the podcast episodes if you've been listening for a while. And if not, you can go back and check some of those out. But especially what I talked about today is important because you don't want to add alcohol and olive oil to a diet that's not already nutritious and healthy as far as the food. So alcohol is definitely a tricky one. It's a little bit controversial, but I wanted to mention it today because it's definitely a part of the Mediterranean diet. And if you use moderation and if you're smart about your food choices, you can incorporate alcohol and see some good results. The last two suggestions we're going to wrap today's episode with are related more to how we eat as opposed to what we eat. So the first one is eating slowly and savoring your food. If you've ever been to the region, to the Mediterranean region, you may have noticed that people take a really long time to eat. And food takes a really long time to come out when you sit in restaurants. And coming here from the States, it's really apparent. So when you sit down to a restaurant, at a restaurant, to a meal, you may be waiting a good 20 or 30 minutes for your food. And then if you look around you, you may see that people are sitting down and they're eating their food and they're laughing and they're talking and they're just hanging out sometimes for hours. One time I had a friend who went to a business meeting in Italy and she was telling me that she met a guy at a cafe for the business meeting and she said, we were sitting there for so long and friends were coming and going and he was hanging out with the locals and he was chit-chatting and ordering more food and eating small bites and savoring and really enjoying the experience of eating. And this is something that I think we all lack a little bit, again, because we're so busy. We always try to multitask. We always try to get more done, but we kind of lose the mindfulness side of it and we kind of lose on the experience of eating. So when you take the time to savor your food, to sit down, to truly enjoy it and pay attention, we get a lot more satisfaction and enjoyment out of the food. And believe it or not, we digest better and we feel more satiated. We feel fuller physically and as well as emotionally and mentally, right? So if I really get to savor and enjoy my food, my perception of satisfaction and pleasure out of that meal is going to be increased. And that is a very important thing to learn. The next thing I'm gonna talk about, and we'll wrap up with this, is I've talked about this before, making lunch your biggest meal. So you can go back to the episode where I spoke about intermittent fasting. This is where I mentioned switching up your dinner and your lunch. And this comes out of me growing up eating this way. So again, people in the Mediterranean region actually eat their largest hot meal at lunch and a very small, much lighter meal in the evening. And there are a lot of studies now that show that this is truly beneficial because the body is least prepared to process the large amount of calories that most people eat at night and break it down and use it up for energy. So what ends up happening is that when we eat a large dinner, most of it gets stored as fat. And of course, we have more problems that are coming out as far as blood sugar and cholesterol and triglycerides when we eat too many calories at a time where the body is really shutting down and not using up too much energy, right, at night. So I want you to go back to the episode I did about intermittent fasting because there's a lot more detail about how to do this over there. 
But I want you to think about these 10 ways that I've just shared with you, and let's quickly recap them. The first one was having fish as a source of protein two to three times per week. Number two was using olive oil generously. Three, adopting a plant's first approach, a produce first approach. Number four was adding two servings of fruit per day. Make sure they're portioned out and paired. Number five is adding one and a half ounces of nuts. Six, focusing on whole grains, specifically farro and bulgur wheat are the ones that I want you to try. Number seven, flavor everything with herbs and not salt. Number eight, moderate alcohol consumption. And then number nine, eating slowly and savoring. And number 10, making lunch your biggest meal. You have a lot to work with here. I hope you take the time to implement two or three of these strategies and let me know how it goes. Hop on over to Instagram. I'm at PCOS Nutritionist Daphna. I would love to hear from you and connect with you there. So definitely come over and send me a DM. I want to get to know you. I want to know what you're working on. And there's lots of tips and strategies, recipes, and motivation over there. So come check it out. And I will see you again here next week with a brand new episode. Bye for now.